Welcome to the Naked Marketers, everybody. My name is Pete Wright, and uh, we are. Uh, uh, I'm sitting on the virtual roundtable with Dane Christensen. Dane, how are you? I'm great, Peter. Good to hear your voice, my friend. <laughs> As always, and the uh, and and I think it's actually fair to say, lovely and talented Megan Strand. Thank you, Peter. I know that's so nice of me, right? It is so nice of you. I don't oh. think you've ever called me that. No, I know, but you know, there's the the pressure of the internet audience, and you know, it it brings up it brings up feelings. What can I say? <laughs> brings uh, truth to the surface. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are. This is uh, uh, this. Welcome to the new show, everybody. Thank you for downloading uh, the Naked Marketers. Uh, well, I'll, where did it come from? I think it came from uh, me getting pissed off uh, at at marketing and tools and all sorts of things. I started thinking about this concept of of you know why everybody is running around and and uh, you know like the sky is falling every time a new Web two O tool comes out and and uh, you know make sure that you have how many followers on Twitter and how many friends on Facebook and you got to have the Facebook friend page and it got very frustrating. I mean, don't you guys find you're frustrated? Tell me you're frustrated. Frustrated, Peter. Frustrated. We're angry. It's hard, Peter. <laughs> We're angry about... naked marketers. <laughs> but well, I do like I do like your association of naked marketers and marketing tools. <laughs> and, <laughs> and there we go. Sorry. <laughs> I, I had to point it out. I'm sure everyone else caught it. Well, the concept, uh, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, uh, really was uh, was born of this frustration, and we decided to put together this show uh, with, uh, and we'll, we'll let, uh, you know, Megan and, and Dane will introduce themselves in uh, in a second, but the, the whole concept is, you know, how, how can we really shine a light on on the tools that work and and the tools that don't and you know where should you be putting your energy if you are a you know if you're a marketer who knew, who's new to this space and and where really should you be um, you know should you be letting letting the others try before you jump in and and um, you know watching the the flags that unfurl and those that get folded back up and taken home uh, and so uh, that's kind of where the show came from so it's a bit of a concept show where we're uh, you know we're gonna try and and bring interviews each uh, each episode that uh, with people who are are um, uh, you know really experts in the industry and who are doing this every single day uh, to really uh, illuminate strategies and tools that can help uh, help deliver business results and business performance that's that's what we're talking about and hopefully we can do it in a way that that uh, you know grows uh, grows following in a legitimate and organic and and powerful manner and and do so with a soul so uh, did I did I catch everything guys does that feel like where we're going that's exactly it yeah I mean that's the theme that's sort of the core theme I guess for for what we'd like every show to be wrapped around even though you know our topics will change um, you know quite a bit I think from show to show but uh, that's the core idea and I think it makes a lot of sense Absolutely. And I think we're also here as a resource. So, and we're hoping that in every show, we can not only bring you good marketing strategy, good marketing tools, but also, you know, something you can use in your in your daily profession, whether you're a consultant or whether you're a marketing professional within an organization. Excellent. And so that, that and it's so exciting to, to be able to listen to Peter for a while and his use of allegory and metaphor. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm the telling flags you, I'm, that get unfurled and the ones that get taken home. The I first know. time I've ever heard that. And every conversation with Peter, there's something like that. And I just think he says that like everybody is supposed to, you know, be familiar with that reference. Uh, did he make it up? I'm not sure. Let it's great. Just, it's a nice say, visual, though, isn't it? I don't actually know if you're making fun of me or not. <laughs> No, I'm just. I'm, I'm using. I'm using that to my benefit. Get excited! I think it's great. 
<laughs> I've been trying know, to come up with some, a tagline. There's going to the be show. some surprising metaphor <laughs> in the next. You know, just, just wait just, for it. Wait for it. <laughs> I've been trying. <laughs> wait for it. Legendary. Uh, I've been trying to. Uh, I, I've been trying to come up with a uh, with a tagline for the show. You know, and I. I still. I, I don't think I've got it, but it has something to do with you know ripping the clothes off traditional marketers, and right. and I'm not sure that that's appropriate <laughs> yet. But we may grow into it. I don't know. Uh, so uh, there we are. Uh, Megan, do you want to talk about a, a little bit more about what we're going to try and cover each week? Give us uh, give us an idea of the show format. Absolutely. Uh, well, I think you did a great job letting folks know that we're going to be talking with experts. We're hoping to bring expert interviews um, and or case studies, uh, the things that we find particularly interesting or important. Uh, we're also going to bring you what we find are the current news and events in marketing. And hopefully some reviews on useful tools and a lot of sarcasm and laughter, hopefully, as well. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> uh, the, uh, and speaking of experts, uh, you know, we are, um, we may not be. <laughs> on most of the things we talk about, we are likely not. Uh, and yet, We're we have a lot. We're just facilitators of genius. <laughs> Oh, I like that. <laughs> we are such facilitators of genius. Let me just try I'm that, out. that down. Let me just try that. The Naked Marketers, facilitators of genius. I love it. I'm That's, writing it down. I, that may have some legs to it. So uh, the the uh, we are coming to you over Skype. Uh, we are not uh, we're not hanging out together. Uh, so let's go around the uh, <laughs> let's go around the uh, virtual table and introduce ourselves, shall we, Dane? Yes, Dane Christensen. Uh, I'm actually in Salt Lake City. Right now, I own a little uh, internet marketing company, um, which I've had for a little over a year now, um, which is you know a brave new frontier uh, in marketing. But um, really, I mean, and this is one of the things that we've often discussed as a group, and and will be again part of this running narrative, uh, is the idea that even though you know there's a lot of new uh, frontier in marketing, a lot of new um, tools, I guess uh, the core concepts have not changed and won't change. So, um, you know, in, in various different ways, I hope we are able to sort of strip that down, so to speak, and, and, uh, and get to the heart of that. Beautiful. And the, your company, did you give, did you say what your company's called name? Wow. Thanks. Why won't You're you on top. You got, Thank you, you so much. You got a plug. I missed my coffee today. Uh, strike 10 media, strike 10 media.com. And that's a ten, number 10 strike a number 10, 10 media.com you spell out 10 i bought that one too you you'll, you'll get redirected but yeah the number 10 strike number you're an, 10 you are an ace product manager to catch Thank that you. ace yeah. product manager <laughs> i uh, and you uh, follow you on twitter how alta dane on twitter alta dane uh, okay thank you dane awesome megan hi hey Hi, I'm Megan Strand. I am outside of the Portland, Oregon area with Mr. Peter. Not with Mr. Peter, but in the same general geographic vicinity. My company is Encouraged Communications. And uh, I guess I would say my specialty is marketing communications, authentic communications. I really feel like it's important for people, companies, organizations to communicate from their their core purpose. And it doesn't matter how many tools and strategies there are out there, but if you don't know your core purpose and communicate from that place, um, it, it's, it's challenging to make a marketing strategy work. So along those lines, um, my particular area of interest um, has to do with mutually beneficial marketing, strategic partnerships. Um, I think that's super important as we're 
making a change in this economy and this environment and um, consumers are wanting different things from companies and um, in the concept of skating where the puck will be Peter to use your analogy um, cheers to you. I'm raising a glass to you right now thank you thank you <laughs> so uh, that's that's my particular passion and I'm at Twitter at Megan Strand and soon to be at encouragecommunications.com. I thought it was already registered at encouraged.com. Oh, encouraged.com is there. That's my blog. Oh, okay. So you're going all but the way. But Encouraged Communications is going to be a new iteration of that. I hope you use a lot of flash. I ha No, <laughs> there's not going to be a lot of flash. <laughs> and if there is, Do you it's hear your that? fault. Do you hear that, Adobe? <laughs> Okay. Uh, my name is Pete Wright. I am a, uh, a, a writer, blogger, uh, photographer, and uh, internet media uh, producer. I am a, a contract host for my clients. I produce a, a corporate podcasts for clients such as Ask Cadence, the project management podcast. Excellent. We just hit our 100th episode uh, this week. Uh, so go check out Ask Cadence. And um, uh, the Acoustic Conversations show, if you check out AcousticConversations.com, and if you're into singer-songwriter acoustic music, we give away a ton of music for free. Uh, but uh, those are, are uh, very much passions. Uh, this uh, I'm very excited about this show because it deals with sort of the meta issues of everything that I deal with day to day. You know, as we're creating content, you know, what are the tools that really work and how do we uh, how do we build, um, you know, following in, in this new world? So I'm very excited to to bring that discussion to this show. Um, and uh, you can follow me at fifthandmain.com, all written out, um, or follow me on Twitter at Pete Wright. And that's right. W-R. W-R-I-G-H-T. That's correct. That's the uh, that's the Welsh spelling. <laughs> Although if you if you're in Wales, it has a lot of silent L's in it. So, uh, so uh, let's let's talk first about uh, current events. Uh, it wasn't this week; it was last week, but it still seems to have the orbit of of all current events uh, that have come since, uh, which is the iPad. Now, this is not a technical show. This is not a geek show. Uh, you know, typically the iPad has been uh, you know a point of focus on uh, many of the Mac uh, and and tech podcasts. Uh, but we're talking about it for a different reason. What do you guys think of the iPad? I like what I heard. I don't can't remember what show it was on some NPR crazy show that it sounded like it looked like an iPhone for the elderly. <laughs> it's like oh, my so my so first funny. iPhone. It's like geriatric iPhone because everything's huge. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> I, That's joke, I agree. People. The, it's, the, funny. it's funny. <laughs> the buttons are large. <laughs> uh, I, you, Dane, what, what's your first impression? I, you know, I'm things? all kinds of excited about it. I, I think, um, you know, there was, in terms of the buildup, I suppose the general sense I get is that people were maybe a little bit let down because, you know, there wasn't like a video camera and there wasn't, uh, I don't know, some magic new way of interacting with your computer per se. Um, but I thought... You know, I mean, I think the lesson learned from from really the um, uh, the iPhone is that you know you make the technology great, and I think they did. Um, but it it now we're redefining the uses, and I don't think we've really you know. I mean, it was unveiled with um, I was pretty excited about the iWork apps for nine ninety nine. I think that's pretty cool, uh, and that you know put that together with email on this sort of bigger screen and on a three GS. And all of a sudden, I think you have most of what you need 
to be mobile, um, you know, um, go to the coffee shop. And I mean, I'm pretty excited about that kind of like a, a work sort of device, but I'm also excited to see what apps, you know, are developed for it because I think it's just one of those things that once those sort of come, uh, w- once developers figure out, you know, how to, how to use the same, um, I, I guess, app, uh, coding you know to to and, and work with this bigger bigger screen and what can we do and you know things like simple you know work utilities like billing and invoicing and you know i mean I, i'm pretty excited to see what comes up well i think that's a i think that's really true and i think the um, you know it, it there's a whole lot of sort of hue and cry after the the um, uh, after the announcement and, and after folks have been able to check out the hour and a half launch video of Steve Jobs, you know, uh, just demoing this thing, uh, that you know this is this, <laughs> this is lame. You know, we don't have wireless and three uh, G wireless in every uh, device. It's uh, you know the iPhone operating system is is too limited to be able to really do what you want to do. There's no file system. It's you know you're locked into the stores, et cetera, et cetera, and. and but I don't think that's really the point. I, uh, um, you know, I like to think I had this thought uh, in conjunction uh, with this writer, but uh, but probably you know he was a split second before me. Whatever. Fraser Spears is is a brilliant um, uh, technologist and writer, and he wrote this wonderful piece called Future Shock on his blog at spears.org, S-P-E-I-R-S dot org, uh, that that talks about the industry's reaction. To the iPad being uh, being this terror uh, that they're going to have to change the way they think about computing, and uh, the background is this: you know, for the last twenty years, technologists have been designing computers, and users have had to adapt in order to figure out how to how to use things. They've had to adapt to force quit applications, adapt to uh, to jumping into um, you know to alt F4 to or whatever it is on Windows to to quit uh, processes that have locked up. They they have to adapt to where windows are floating and where they're not and where they can click and where they should double click and what a right click is and they've they've always had to adapt to the technologists. And what the iPad has done is eliminated that layer. The iPad has a file system. It has processes that can get locked up. It is a computer in every sense of the word. But they have pulled down this curtain, which I believe opens up a whole lot of opportunity to create elegance and usability that will allow you to create new and wonderful things, but under a new definition. And I, I, not to completely ramble on, but I will. The I, I think it it really is is laser focused in the iBook or the the iBook store and iBooks app. Uh, you know, everybody is is screaming and crying about what you know what is going to happen to books. You know, are you going to be able to read on this thing? And and you know, all the publishers are up in arms about how you know I, Apple's going to be controlling the prices. I don't think pricing is at the the heart of the issue at all. I think at the heart of the issue is what is a book anymore. Uh, because paper, I think, is passe. Would you agree? Oh, I, I do, and I don't. Passe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still, I still have magazines I get in the mail for a reason. Um, but I do a lot of, you know, article reading online, for instance. So it, it just sort of depends, you know. I do think that there's, um, there are books you want to connect to physically, I suppose. Um, although uh, devices like this and the Kindle, 
um, I've never used a Kindle, but I understand it. There is a certain intimacy and, um, you know, a sense of sort of ownership. I, I love having books on the walls, you know, in my house. Um, and, I'm, and I'm I, replacing them all with iPads. <laughs> yeah. Just Why does that not one, one, for e one for each book. But see, this is the point. And, and I'm coming at this more from a, from a standpoint of content distribution rather than the intimacy that you get by touching your books, uh, which is uh, that I now could create a textbook uh, that has within it integrated motion graphics, integrated video. Uh, if I want to write about, you know, the I Have a Dream speech, uh, in a textbook, I can actually write about that speech, and I can embed the video in it. I can make a book, an interactive experience, uh, much like, frankly, the promise of the early promise of you know Microsoft Encarta. You know, I think that was the the early promise of Encarta when it came out was to give That's kids true. the ability to have this interactive experience. But it was limited by the technology and the economy. the The economy wasn't there because the publishers wouldn't get behind it. It had to be solely funded by Microsoft. The technology wasn't there because you couldn't expand it. It was delivered on 45 CDs, eventually a couple of DVDs, and then it was dead. I mean, it was the internet didn't exist to a point where you could keep it constantly updated. Now, I can have an always up-to-date textbook that's easy to read, that's highly right. visual. The Kindle fails in every way except for readability of straight text uh, on that point. And uh, and and I can make something that is for the next generation. It's not for me. I'm making content for this generation that's coming that doesn't really care about paper. Well, I think you've just hit the nail on the head. I think it has has more to do with revolutionizing the way that people get their information than it does with making paper a thing of the past. Um, I think you're always going to have a need for business publications, books. Um, there's a certain trust factor that it goes along with, with that. And I don't think that people are going to have that same inherent level of trust with something like the iPad and the content that's delivered through it right away. Um, now, that being said, I agree. You know, you're going to have, you know, you're designing for the next generation and this is how they're going to consume their media. And, you know, it, it also, it's going to be interesting to see what happens as, as far as advertising goes because I remember, I don't know if they've done this or not, but there was a company that was talking about using TV um, to a point where you can click on somebody's handbag and say, where do you buy that? And they'll tell you. Um, so I don't know if, if that's going to be an option with content that's delivered as well, and that may revolutionize advertising as well. Well, I, I think what's so interesting about um, you know where you're going with that, Pete, is that, uh, and, and this is pretty much what you said, but um, this isn't a brand new idea. These aren't brand new concepts. It's 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 an it's the it's the kind of concept that's been talked about for quite a while. Um, but it can be, you know, I mean, it can be talked about 10 years ahead of, you know, a certain level of evolution. And sometimes it's a very small um, thing, whether it's a, tech, a, a technological change or, um, you know, the content developers, you, you know, publishers, um, uh, uh, music labels. I mean, they really are you have to just drag them kicking and screaming into the 21st century um, <laughs> because they're really trying to protect old models that are more predictable to them. But those who embrace, as you're suggesting, Peter, um, how this could be used uh, will come screaming forward, I think, to the front of the pack. And I think that's where, you know, um, I, I hope anyway, something like the iPad will all of a sudden, it, it'll be maybe a certain use or a couple of uses or 
a publisher who really, you know, makes amazing use of, of the format that all of a sudden, you know, its value goes way beyond its size or, you know, the technology. Maybe. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think it does. I think the, the planets are sort of aligning, right? I mean, it, totally. The, you know, to your point, Megan, a few months ago, Apple actually, uh, you know, announced the purchase of Quattro Wireless, which is a, a wireless advertising network. Uh, and, you know, why, why do you think they did that? I mean, nothing has been announced in terms of how they're going to, you know, be able to integrate the Quattro wireless ad, wireless ad network mm-hmm. into Apple's services and products. But, uh, you know, do you think they're just dabbling in advertising? <laughs> do you think Apple isn't, it doesn't really have a plan? They just want to have something to, to, you Apple know. Apple doesn't dabble in taunt, anything. Uh, right. Except, you know, the Apple TV, but... <laughs> <laughs> notwithstanding the the uh this this idea that they're creating an integrated system an ecosystem for you know platform engagement around content is is really powerful and and you sort of step back a few years and look at what youtube did to personal video publishing to enabling anyone to be able to get their video message out there uh what the you know GarageBand and um, uh, oh gosh, what's the uh, odd? Uh, oh, it's gonna kill me. It's the the open source audio, uh, audio editing application. Uh, well, anyway, it's audit something know. or blogging for that matter. Well, blogging for personal print publishing. Uh, you know, audio publishing for creating your your own music out of your garage for video on YouTube. I mean, all of these pu- publishing tools are pushing down. The, the ability to create content, the ability to turn yourself into a publisher to the end user, and that turns the entire market on its head. Uh, and, and I think, uh, you know, to, to bring this back up to, to you know, small businesses, uh, this is the age of embracing your own message, where you simply don't have to farm out your message to, uh, you know, some big brand agency where you can re- really enable uh, uh, the level of communication that that you need to on these platforms like the iPad, like you've never been able to do that before. Which is and amazing. Again, not a brand new concept in, on some levels. You know, I mean, when when um, Word and I don't know des- desktop publishing tools came out, quite everybody some time became ago. a desktop publisher, right? Yeah, everybody and, was and, a designer. But and that's the way it was spoken about. But you know, you compare. What was between, you know, I guess let's call it a desktop publisher as a person and their potential audience, um, you, you know, what exists today with technologies like this versus what existed then when you really only had the software. It, it, there, there are so many small things that I think put the pieces together that take us way past where that sort of initiated you know, yeah. I mean, just the whole concept of, of finding your audience and having a smaller audience. I, I bought a uh, white denim album, um, uh, the band White Denim, uh, last week, and I was trying to find uh, on iTunes, you, you know, how were these songs ranked? And um, and I, what I, <laughs> I had to go to Wikipedia to, to find out that, like, their first three albums, I think, uh, I mean, it was more than one, and they had a, a pretty big following at three albums. They had released them all themselves, no record label. That's so, so cool. Yeah. I mean, you just are seeing more of that, even though it's been talked about for quite some time. I mean, even, you know, the launch of Napster, it was this, oh, wow, okay, now the record industries are dead completely and artists will just go straight to the to the consumer. Well, 
yeah, I mean, that, that's the smart ones possible, but yeah, <laughs> but it's still, it has to get teeth. It had, there have to be platforms to connect. There has to be some way to really make that happen logically for, uh, you know, a broad audience and a broad array of, you know, artists, publishers, content developers, et cetera. It's, it, it's a hard one because, you know, you talk to, to musicians and, uh, you know, I mean, this is a question we ask every week on on our on acoustic conversations to these to these singer songwriters who are trying to get their businesses off the ground. Has this really played out for you? And you know, by and large, in terms of what success means to artists, uh, that the definition of success has changed as a result of these technologies. Right now, the the goal is not to get a, get a record label. The goal is to drive a sustaining business. Right to be mm -hmm. able to write and produce music, uh, and be able to make enough money to sustain a business for a long-term music career, which I think is a really dynamic change and a, an important one, because it's it's uh, you know what it enables ev everyone to do at all levels of their business career is to think about their business the way corporations have for millennia. Right? Uh, it it is this idea that. You know, we're looking for sustained results with everything we do, with every single dollar we put toward our communications effort. We want to be able to see uh, another notch in the sustaining results category. Um, you know, growing audience, slow and steady. We don't need the big bang. We don't need the the uh, the huge record label. We don't need the big. You know, um, we don't need to sort of sell our soul to to get the big uh, you know album release. We can do quality That's really ourselves. Deep. It's really deep for your musicians to tell you, Peter. I'm you know, <laughs> it is It is deep, uh, actually. It's quite deep. <laughs> and, and David Byrne, by the way, I don't know if you read this, um, Peter. I think it was a, a couple of years ago. He did an article in Wired Magazine about um, the different approaches available. I think he had them defined as five separate approaches available uh, you know, to an artist um, today. And it ranged from what his original Talking Heads arrangements were which was essentially that over time the record label would own the songs right and, and he has no access to those songs anymore he has no ownership of the songs that they wrote as the original you know talking heads and and he what he outlined was that he has dabbled in every one of these five and it again it goes from more or less complete corporate ownership of of your creative content um but, you know, they sustain you and, you know, whatever. They they put a lot of marketing behind you and all that kind of thing. Uh, all the way to, obviously, self-publishing and being in total control uh, without any contracts. And, and and a few things in between. It's a very interesting article. And I think, you know, each of those steps is, is available today. But as the technologies evolve, you know, more and more artists have the opportunity to, to move to that other side and, and be in control. There was a, um, uh, there was a fantastic bit have you seen family guy something 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 dark side no no i don't watch family guy often but <laughs> seth mcfarland does uh you know does a show family guy and and uh, uh he's he and apparently everyone on the family guy staff are hooligans for uh for star wars and in the open of uh of the show um they have a uh, they have the rolling screen credits and he actually says something, I think, really germane to this discussion, uh, which is, uh, I'm going I'm to find the exact quote because it's that brilliant. Uh, he's talking about the, um, 
the when George Lucas uh, was you know working with 20th, 20th Century Fox to uh, to create the first Star Wars, the quote on the scrolling credits is: "What you may not know is that 20th Century Fox had so little faith in the Star Wars franchise they let George Lucas keep all the merchandising rights." Who does that, right? Are you idiots? <laughs> right? You know. <laughs> But that's the point, right? I mean, this is an era when, you know, content creators can create and own what they do uh, and stand to build a steady, sustainable audience. Uh, you know, and they, and they don't have to, you know, don't have to sell their soul to, the, to, uh, to get it. I want to throw one little thing out there that, that you know, um, that I've been holding on to because I just I thought this related to what Peter was originally saying about, I guess, the... Um, uh, the, the going away of paper products, right? Um, and, and it's something, when I think about little tweaks or minor changes that all of a sudden become revolutionary, I think about um, yellow pages and our you know past historical ref, um, uh, dependence on the yellow pages to search businesses and how when you search for a service, say Google Maps, and now you get something you don't get in the yellow pages, which is um, uh, ratings and reviews. And you're looking for a plumber and somebody says, this guy sucks. By the way, you know, he never showed up the first day. We were overcharged. <laughs> you're never going to get that from the yellow pages. And all of a sudden, and I think mo a lot of businesses have yet to really figure out that they need to be on Google Maps and, you know, need to encourage their customers to, to you know, get behind them there or give some sort of rating and so that's going to take a while to really, I think, become indispensable. But, but for, you know, for, for the few searches that you do where you say, wow, that's some great feedback. Now I can see, you know, who I'd like to do business with or who I'd like to hire or where I'd like to go. Um, then all of a sudden, Yellow Pages as a printed publication are completely obsolete. Yeah, you know, that's a, it's a great example. Um, I, don't, I don't get them at my house anymore. Do you guys still get them? I get them and I recycle them right away. Yeah, I, I, I get one that's not whatever. It's not the Quest is the big phone company here. I'm getting the crappy ones that are whatever, you know. Let's talk I, about an industry there that uh, is a little bit not not thinking ahead and not embracing new technology. Just the fact that they still distribute yellow pages just kills me. Um, well, it is, especially when, you know, most of them have an alternative <laughs> online delivery system. I right. mean, you can search online these same things, but why do they bring paper to the houses it anymore? It should be by request only, because yeah. as Dane pointed out, the moment they're printed, they're obsolete. Well, you know, I mean, that, would, that would kill it if it was by request only, because they wouldn't be able to print enough. You know, if suddenly everybody got a chance to opt out, then the 10 people They'll left would in. not make it worth printing a thousand page directory. Just yeah, print out a huge yeah. document on Word. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to just email you the entire uh, directory in Word format. Come on, Peter. I like my idea. Opt-in Homebook. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Okay, well, then let's I, – I really uh, – I think, Dan, you bring up a good subject. I want to move on to this uh, – uh, to the, the social media key points uh, blog post. Megan, you found that. What was that called? It was called – it had a great title. Hold on. I got it right here. The social media dead zone, why only tools focus on tools. <laughs> it's sweet. There it is. There catchy. it is. Greg, Greg Verdino. Verdino. Uh, boy, this, this really 
struck a chord with me. The first thing, you know, when you sent this over, it shows a, a great image of all of the brand icons that are floating around the Web 2.0 space from, uh, you know, Wikipedia to Shozu to, you know, TechMeme to you name it, Vimeo, they're all there. And uh, most of them, the vast, there's probably 80% of the image is covered by pink X's covering the logos of all the tools, the Web 2.0 tools that have gone under. Uh, and yet these were the companies that, you know, many a venture capitalists hung their hat as the next big it thing. Uh, so it, it got me thinking about what the next big it thing might be uh, before we jump back on the detail of this one, which is this idea of uh, uh, geo-social networks that you just brought up, Dane. Have you tried Foursquare? No, I've you not tried Foursquare. You no. haven't tried Foursquare. You idiot you must be living in the dark ages you love wow. wow i i uh, well now megan you're on foursquare you well, have, only because you set me up you on have foursquare. one one friend on foursquare <laughs> i i'm trying them a couple of them and because uh, you know the word is this is the next thing this is what's going to happen in 2010 everybody's going to go social so here the here's the concept you uh you join foursquare uh, or the the other um, you know there are some others in the space uh, GoWalla G O W A L L A uh, Foursquare Yelp just launched the same uh, feature uh, but we'll save Yelp for just a minute that's a, got a different bit of a twist uh, and I I hear Facebook is actually integrating this kind of geo social networking feature so you you back to Foursquare you log into Foursquare you sign up and everywhere you go. Uh, it, when you walk into a restaurant or a bar or a bank or wherever, you launch Foursquare, it finds out where you are by using your phone's GPS, and it asks you if you want to check in there. And if you say, yes, check in, it does a couple of things. First of all, it notifies all of your friends on that network that you have just checked in at this bar. So when they're going to a bar, they can look at the bar and say, oh, look, I can see who, where my friends are. They're at this bar. I'm going to go here. Uh, the second thing it does, it gives you points. So it's created a game out of your driving around. Uh, and um, third, it posts it to all your other networks like Twitter and Facebook. Now, I I don't yet see the point. I've been trying I'm it for a couple weeks. I just going to say that. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I'm not bullish on this stuff as it is, uh, on these single-function you know, let's play a game by telling people where we are applications. And I, I think, you know, after two weeks, they may just have about run their course. Um, but I am interested in this idea of Facebook and Yelp doing the same thing. Uh, Megan, what is your impression of Foursquare so far? Pointless? You know, I, I feel the same way that you do, Peter. I just, I don't, I don't 100% get how this is going to, help anybody. I, I understand that if you're a retail storefront, you could, you know, you can turn it into promotions by saying, okay, because you didn't explain the whole mayor concept to, you know, if you check in a certain amount of places more than anybody else, you become the mayor of that location. So, you know, I've seen promotions where you can, you know, if you're the mayor of so-and-so, you know, you get a free latte or whatever, which although, you know, you can sit at home and say you're at this coffee shop when you're actually not. So that's the downfall of Foursquare at this point. You don't actually have to be there to check in. Well, I think you do. Mm, I think you I have to know. be within a certain radius. Do you? Okay. 
Which so if is, I happen to live know, across the street from the coffee shop, I can yes. check in all day long. Well, and that's so what I, you, I mean, you can just drive down a street and check in at a number right. of places. I right, mean. exactly. So, I mean, I get it as far as like a pr- little promotional uh, gimmicky sort of thing, um, but I don't get how this is going to be anything more than a shiny tool that a weird sect of society picks up on and decides this is their thing. Like, you know, I think geocaching is cool, but has it revolutionized anything as far as marketing is concerned? I don't know. You know, and I sort of see it as kind of a subsect. Um, you know, I see it as a game, but I agree well, with you. I'm, I'm open to, uh, I'm open to seeing how people may make use of it. And I agree that Yelp explain Yelp and how they're using it. Cause I think that, makes more sense to me as far as well yelp is an interesting one yelp actually you know uh i think yelp is a terrifically useful service and i haven't you know i i i don't usually get into the um i at least before yelp had not really gotten into the reviews concept you know driving around go to a restaurant and actually post my thoughts on a restaurant somewhere but yelp is interesting it kind of it compels you to share your story or to share you know what things you think you know you should order because it's such a handy tool for next time you know when i go to a restaurant and i like it i can take a picture of a meal that i like or take a picture of the bar because it's cool post it to yelp and the rest of the world gets to see it well about three four weeks ago yelp actually launched this uh, you know, geosocial network check-in functionality uh, to their network. Suddenly, because Yelp is not a, uh, you know, is no longer a single function kind of gaming device, it makes it a little bit more compelling if you're one of those, you know, one of the sort of, you know, one of the folks who travel in herds in a, you know, <laughs> urban environment and you're looking, you know, to travel to find so out where all 18. the best bars are, Yelp might be the the a, a great app um, because there are already people there. You know that's where the people are right now. I mean there is a market that exists in Yelp. Facebook is another. One. I mean Facebook is is kind of the big dog, and and they have typically not been afraid to you know ape technology from other competing companies that they find useful. Uh, the rumor is Facebook is going to be launching the similar sort of geosocial networking where you can check into restaurants and bars and banks and doctor's offices and tell the world where you are or tell your you know, network of friends where you are. And Facebook boasts the largest average you know, network of friends of any of these networks. You know, that's where everybody is. Well, and that's, you know, I mean, I, a few weeks ago, I read something really positive about Foursquare and I thought, okay, well, you know, I better check this out. And as soon as I saw that it was a game and there were like little symbols and, you know, to me, I just thought, eh, you know, I, I don't know. It's not my thing. It's, uh, it looks too gimmicky. I'm really not going to spend too much time, you know, getting all sort of jacked up about this one. But, um, but to the other point there, I mean, and, and to the point you're making, Peter, um, that you know these these um, products, I guess, or platforms are really only as useful as the size of their audience and the input that they're getting. So whether or not the technology is amazing over here versus you know fairly simple over there, that's not going to matter if you know everybody's over there where the technology is not quite as amazing. And you hate to have too many of these things, you know, that you've got to log in all over the place or it's the one that you depend on. It would be nice, you know, if there were sort of one or two that. Um, had it all, and then you could sort of break off by, you know, where where something might be stronger in restaurants, another thing might be stronger in music venues, or something like that. Um, but by the same token, by the way, and I'll just throw this out: I believe that the fact that these are evolving 
provides a great opportunity for small businesses because you might be the only restaurant in your neighborhood that goes to Foursquare and is, you know, registered and encouraging people to rate you. Uh, on Yelp, you might be the only, you know, dry cleaner in your area. There's a big opportunity. I, I mean, it's it's the plus and minus, I guess, of of you know where where some of these are still developing their audience. That there's an opportunity for businesses to take advantage of being um, having a big presence, or or you know, if they start now and get a few reviews on there. Uh, over time, may have the most reviews, even though they don't have the biggest marketing budget. So it's it's a big opportunity, I think, for companies, for small well, businesses. I, I think the and corollary it, to that is, though, that you know you may be the only dry cleaner on there, but don't worry because there's only one Foursquare user in your neighborhood who's going right. to see you there. Well, and yeah, I think that's the point of this blog post by um, Greg Verdino. Or Ver, I, don't know, I don't know how to say his last name. Verdino. Um, his one of his points is we have an obligation to ourselves if to nobody else to exercise a bit of restraint when it comes to chasing shiny objects. So, um, you know, I think the whole point of this blog post is how does how do these new tools matter for your business? Because odds are, you know, the latest shiny thing is going to be gone five years from now, two years from now, six months from now. So I think, um, you know, to both of your points, yes, it could be a, a really cool thing, but should you be diving in headfirst to something that's a you know a game that you don't see tangible business use you know for your personal industry or business um and i don't know what the answer is but i think the point is that y you don't just jump into everything without thinking it through from a strategic level like you don't get on twitter just to have a million followers um two weeks from now you know h how are you using that to communicate your message and how are you using that as an additional platform to communicate with your audience and your and your partners and your stakeholders, um, it's not it's not a tool just for the sake of you know it being a tool. Beautifully said, and <laughs> oh, you know why? That's the point of the whole blog. You I know, just really liked it. It, I it, it was really good. was. It was a great point, and and uh, this whole chasing shiny objects bit I think is important, and it got me thinking as we look at our uh, sort of last uh, item. Uh, on our rundown here is this uh, you know we we were going to go through and talk about tools and reviews of the of the products communications products that we use uh, every day and things that we could recommend and i i think we should also include in that category things people shouldn't use oh good the, one the don't waste your time products and i think i'm i think i'm going to start by saying foursquare <laughs> I, th I think if you're a if you're a small business marketer, I think you're you're far better to put your uh, to put your money where the uh, where the networks already exist, and those are you know Facebook, Yelp, especially if you're a restaurant or a bar, uh, you know where the people uh, where the people are, skate where the puck will be, and be be there. Don't waste your time with the games, the single function, uh, you know social games at this point. I mean, I of course all those things can change, but right now Foursquare, don't bother. And, and I think one of the strong points to make is that for any business, um, the universal truth is your resources are not infinite. They're finite. And whether it's money or time, uh, you have to consider that. And, you, and, and, and that drives or should force people to think about exactly what you're saying, Megan, which is what's the purpose? How are we going to use it? Is it just to have a presence or to say that we are or to have a, you know, the, the, um, the icon on our website so that it looks like we're, you know, up to speed and, and kind of with it? Or, or do we have an actual purpose for using it? Because at the end of the day, who's going to drive it? 
what kind of content are we going to use? How is this going to connect to our customers? And of course, how is this going to make build profit and revenue for the company? Yeah, I think that's yeah. a super good point, especially when you're talking about small businesses. And I mean, who isn't busy up to their eyeballs, uh, you know, day in and day out. So I think you have to be really selective. So it's a, a super good point. All right. So being selective, Dane, what what do you uh, what's your uh, tool that you recommend people use or don't use? You know, are, are I, you officially on the spot? Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I think that it makes a lot of sense to have a Facebook fan page, and I think it makes sense to have a Twitter account. I, I think that those two things are not difficult to wrap your head around in terms of how would we use these, how would we connect this to our audience. Um, it's very, very possible for most businesses that they ought to pick one or the other and not have both um, if they really want to drive a strategy. Uh, I do think that um, these sort of localized map sites, starting with um, Google Maps, but also, you know, Yahoo, um, MSN being, um, uh, or MS being, whatever. Um, I, I think that, I think, er I would recommend every small business take the time to make sure they've got, you know, a correct profile with as much detail as possible on at least those basic platforms. I, I think that, I think that every business should make sure that that's happened. But I think they need to have a reason for doing it. Like, I think they need to have a strategy going into it. If for no other reason, for example, I personally think Twitter is a great, I, I love Twitter and I could see a million uses for almost every business, but especially if you're a retail location, I think Twitter for customer service is huge. I mean, I can't tell you how impressed I've been just the few times that I've tweeted about, oh, went to this restaurant and thought it was really cool. And I got a tweet back from the company saying, oh, thanks so much, you know. We enjoy you having you or, you know, something really silly like that, but um, especially for customer service. But my point is you have to have a plan for being on Facebook or Twitter. It's not just, yeah, we're going to be on Facebook and Twitter for, for the sake of being on Facebook and Twitter, in my opinion. Absolutely. No, I think that's the point. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think, uh, uh, so what is your what is your pick this week, Megan? Um, you know, this week I got to say Facebook and here's why I, um, was astounded this week when I, one of my friends posted, Hey, does anybody know a good dentist in Vancouver, Washington? And I, you know, of course I sent her a comment with my dentist. She probably got 10 recommendations for dentists. And she told me she got email, direct email and people stopping her talking about dentists. And I thought, Oh my gosh. So of course I email my dentist and she ends up picking my dentist. And my dentist doesn't have a Facebook page. I'm like, dude, come on. So just seeing, you know, and I, I think it's industry specific, but just seeing people ask questions, you know, people really like being asked their opinion. And, you know, if, you, if you're not on Facebook and you don't have something to point people to, like, yes, that word of mouth is super important. And imagine how powerful if my dentist had, it would be if my dentist had had a Facebook page and I could say, yeah, you should go try this guy and check out his Facebook page. You know, I'm <laughs> excuse me. I'm interested uh, in your I'm interested in your take on on this argument, right? Because I've been hearing a lot of folks who are getting uh, sort of Facebook overstimmed. Uh, uh, people who uh, you know feel like, oh my god, I cannot take any more Farmville requests. It's because they don't know how to turn them off. Well, that's the point, right? So that, that's <laughs> the question. Um, you get a lot of folks who are overstimulated and they get frustrated, and they they say, I'm going to shut down my my Facebook account. I can't take it anymore. What is your response to people like that? 
I say, Sharon, stop saying that. <laughs> so, you, so, so you know someone like this. Well, I understand the Facebook overload, by the way. I mean, it's it, it really is, I, I think, um, you know, you build up your friends and you get sort of a lot of people. I think it's a human nature thing to say, oh, this is, you know, this is great. Wow. Oh, you know, look at the possibilities. I'm connecting with, you know, old high school friends from 20 years ago. And, and then, then you realize, sudden, oh my God, those are old high school friends. Yeah, from 20 right. years ago. There's a reason I don't talk to them anymore. Yeah, and, and you know, to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to take, and, and this is what people have to do. I mean, people have to do this with their cell phones, and no one's no one's really very successful at it. But to say, I'm going to go on a vacation where you know I can't be contacted for business. I, I, so, you know, I guess my advice, I don't know if it's good advice or not, but as an individual taking sort of a mini break, not a bad idea. Well, here's my take on that, Peter. My take is that people, yes, it can be overwhelming, but here's the strategy. Hide the posts from the people who you don't care about. Like maybe you don't have to unfriend them, but I had this girl from high school who was talking about her sister designing my little pony outfits. And I thought, okay, I'm done. And so I hid her <laughs> things. I'm serious. I don't want to see that stuff. And, oh, no. I, you know, so I, I, think I guess that's my, critical. Point is, it, my, my point is if you're feeling overwhelmed, hide the updates from people because you know, there are people, I've got another friend from high school who talks only about beer. <laughs> I'd, I'm I'd not like kidding. to. I'd like to be introduced. <laughs> not in a good way, though. Just, <laughs> I like to bathe in beer, and Pretty then sometimes much like, I shower oh, it's in it. Time for my beer. Here's a picture of my beer. Here I am at the bar. I mean, it's just silly. So if you're getting overwhelmed by that stuff, hide it, and then what you'll find is that your community is a community that you want to be a part of, not something that has overrun you. And I feel the same about Twitter, too. You know, there's a lot of people out there that post really weird things that I don't, like this one guy I started following, he posted like 700 times in one day, and I thought, I can't follow him because my tweet deck can't keep up with, he just bumps everyone out of my tweet deck. Well, I think you put that really well. And I, I, I for me, it always comes down to this. If you are one of those people who feels overwhelmed by Facebook, it is likely because you do not know how to use Facebook. Uh, because, you know, what you're saying, you know, hiding posts and hiding things from certain applications, that's one of those sort of obscure features for a lot of people. They don't get what that means. As obvious as it may be to those who spend a lot of time on Facebook, it's... it's it's not terribly well, uh, you know, well displayed in such a way that it's just absolutely intuitive. I know what's going to happen here. I think the other thing is learning how to use lists appropriately. I mean, those are mm-hmm. those are concepts and uh, around privacy and and the types of social groups you keep on Facebook that I think are really, uh, you know, it's important to you being able to get a lot of utility out of the tool. But that really is it, right? I mean, Facebook is a platform, and what sort of breaks my heart on kind of a personal level. When I hear, you know, friends and family say, oh, I can't take it anymore, I'm leaving Facebook, is that, okay, you're leaving Facebook, but remember, Facebook is where everybody is, whether it's your family or your friends or cousins or teachers, that's where people are. And if you quit Facebook, you are extricating yourself from a discussion that's going on whether or not you're there. Yeah, and it's the, I don't know, I assume everybody feels this way about it, but I think it's Facebook fulfills the promise that at one point everyone thought, yeah, we'll have our own website. We'll have a family website. I'll have this, you know, right. blog or some way to communicate to everybody. And and Facebook bridges that so that, you know, even your completely tech technologically inept, you know, grandpa can hop on Facebook and post pictures from his vacation. So you're right, Peter. I mean, I think you have to kind of say, 
And I think, you know, you, you start out the podcast talking about um, with the iPad, you know, the way people have to adapt. We have to adapt to technologies in the way, you know, right-clicking on a mouse. And there's all this adaption, which I think, you know, learning how to use Facebook is one of those. But I think conceptually one of the things that has thrown people off is when Facebook goes from being, you know, this private conversation with a core group of friends where you can be as crass as you want to be to all of a sudden your mom and your sister and everyone else is on there. Now you have to adapt the conversation. And I think that throws some people off. Right. You know, mostly it's the ability of your high school friends to tag you in a picture. Oh, come uh, on. I wish they couldn't do that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Megan said, now I'm curious. I oh, got to tell you. See my, uh, it's attractive. There's, <laughs> there's some not pretty, very large hair pictures of me from high school on Facebook. And you could oh, untag I, those, you know. I know, but you know. <laughs> the internet I generally knows. do. The, uh, uh, that's, uh, you know, I think that goes back to the, you know, to sort of take a step back that, you know what we're talking about really is endemic of the of the nature of the platform of Facebook and why it is so critically important that small businesses get on Facebook the barriers to entry are just so low and that's where people are right now uh you know to uh, to be able to create a discussion around your brand uh in this community where your customers likely are uh, i think is pretty important agreed absolutely uh with that uh, we i think we've prattled on uh, almost long enough uh where can we uh where can we find uh, you guys should i want to search the internet and uh find you guys where would i go um go the, ahead, easiest, the easiest place for me is twitter at megan strand uh, all one word and temporarily my blog encouraged which is i n com. thank you very much and thank Dan. you yeah, and me again, uh, the website is strike10media.com. I also do have a Facebook fan page, Strike10media, and uh, a Twitter account, Alta Dane. And I post in both places, not as often as I should, um, but I try to sort of bring interesting things I've read to both of those platforms, and and uh, my website kind of just describes me. And uh, I am at uh, fifthandmain.com, uh, Twitter at Pete Wright, and I post things that are fully awesome. You do. I just posted. Yeah. I, you know what I love now these days is a salt sculpture. And if you want, yeah, to what is up with that? And you is so cool, cool, fully awesome. That is what's on my Twitter <laughs> feed. I encourage you to follow it to join in with things that are fully awesome. Awesome. Uh, and uh, thenakedmarketers.com. dot uh, The site exists right now. It is a bald head, but uh, we'll have the episode up there and uh, the. We'll uh, have more, more nakedness to come. More robust nakedness to come. <laughs> Uh, thank you all who have downloaded the show and uh, listened to this very first episode. We uh, we truly appreciate your time and your patience if you've made it this far. And uh, we'll bring you stuff that is, uh, uh, you know, uh, I can almost guarantee it'll be better uh, next time. I guarantee awesome. it. Stand behind that. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. And uh, with that, I believe I can say with confidence that we are out of here. Bye-bye. Stay well. Stay well.